98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Bigly Blast. Perspective arrived when news broke that Kevin Durant would accept a trade to Boston or Philadelphia, which means his circle is expanding, which means it never really was about Phoenix, Arizona, not to the point we hoped, not to the point of obsession or exclusivity. So how do you feel now that Durant to Phoenix really feels like a flickering candle about to go out? Are you disappointed, relieved, a little of both? I know it's complicated. And for a lot of reasons, many want the Suns to run it back. But are they good enough with what they have? Have they regressed? Are they a tryhard team not built for the postseason? And how fractured are they really, if at all, following what happened at the end of last season? And I wonder if James Jones reported reluctance to not strip the team of all peripheral asset assets cost him a shot at Durant early on in the proceedings after he said he wanted to come to Phoenix. But there is a flip side to all that talent Durant brings to the floor. He brings a lot of moodiness. He brings a lot of negative energy. And as we're seeing right now in front of our eyes, it takes a lot to make him happy. He's a player who sees green grass everywhere he looks, everywhere besides where his feet happen to be standing. I just learned the Nets were required to pay Durant a huge eight-figure payout on his contract on July 1st, which was one day after his trade request. And players like that, they can wear you out. He hurt the culture in Golden State, and I'm not sure if Valley fans really understand just how hated the Suns would have been wearing the robes of a super team. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable with two great locations and one great experience. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. So down on Durant, and I think the fans are too. He signed a four-year, $193 million contract last year. Contract should be binding. There, was no, there wasn't any trade issues in there. He also said after they got swept by the Nets, by the Celtics, Nash should come back. That he liked Nash. So from that standpoint, now he doesn't like him. I'm so sick of listening to Durant. He, saw, he left the Oklahoma City when he couldn't beat Golden State. Then he left Curry to hitch his wagon to Kyrie Irving, which made no sense at all. And now the first sign of trouble, he wants out again? Oh, come on, please. That's Christopher Mad Dog Russo on ESPN giving his thoughts on it. Did acknowledge later on in that uh, thought that, you know, Durant, at the heart of it, is a great player. One of the best players we've ever seen. Certainly mm-hmm. one of the top players in the league right now. But that point you brought up in the blast mark stein brought it up uh to add insult to injury june 30th kevin durant says i want out mm-hmm. i want to be traded i want to be traded to phoenix or miami the next day <laughs> the nets have to write a check for ten million seven hundred forty two thousand four hundred and sixty one dollars <laughs> after you say you want out oh here you go because that's what your contract calls for mm-hmm Um, I agree with you, too, on on the inclusion now of Boston and Philadelphia, two teams that, you know, when you're playing in Brooklyn, those are teams that are in your way, uh, teams that are in your division, and you're going to butt heads with a lot. It's to me, it's not even about location, real estate, uniform, any of that. It's just about playing with who he wants to play with. That's all it is. It's yeah. just it's immediate I, gratification. I want to play with Marcus Smart. Yeah. I want to I want to play with James Harden again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's 
It's, it's crazy. It, it's it exhausting. is exhausting. Uh, the great Frank Isola tweeted this out yesterday. It's hard to follow at times, but yes, Kevin Durant would like to play with James Harden, who was in London with Durant around the time Durant met with Nets ownership. Maybe Harden, an expert at forcing trades, is serving as an advisor. Yeah. Uh, I got it. Ben Simmons for James Harden. Who says no? <laughs> Keep Durant in Brooklyn, make him happy. Can they get Kyrie to join them in Philadelphia, run it back in just wow. different colors? Right. I mean, it, how funny would that be, right? Um, I don't know if you heard this, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of James Harden, Bobby Marks from ESPN, and this is not contingent on a Kevin Durant trade to Philadelphia, but listen to what he says about James Harden. I think we're going to be talking about James Harden in the top three when we talk about MVP conversations this year. I think this well, is hold on. <laughs> hold on. Let's stop. I'm not saying he's winning it. No, no, no. But if James Harden's in the top three of MVP, where do you have Philly finish in the East? Because to me, if he's that good, yeah. then you got to put them. They're right going with to the Boston. conference finals. So they're going to be right there. I have with them in Boston. Boston. I have them in Boston in the conference finals. There you go. I think this is a redemption year. I think the contract year for Harden yeah. because of that player option, giving back all that money here. I think you're going to run into a situation where when you add P.J. Tucker and Daniel House, I mean, all of it's going to be dependent on Joel Embiid's health, of course, here. Um, but I think we're going to see the Houston version of James Harden in Philadelphia this well, year. I think that's a bold prediction. That is. I don't agree with it. Uh, I think as long as James Harden plays on the same team as a Joel Embiid, he's option number two at best. Mm-hmm. Hard to be an MVP candidate when well, you're the number two option on your team. Well, the fact that he made that gesture of taking less money to help Philadelphia yeah. pay out for other players maybe is a, is a signal that he is going to get into tip-top shape and really give this a, an honest, sincere commitment. But Philly, to go to the Durant thing, they can't offer anything any better than what Phoenix can offer right now. Well, it depends It depends who you are. Tyrese, I mean, Maxey, Matisse, Thibel, Tobias Matisse Harris, Thibel's and a boatload of pick. Yeah, those are two very good pieces. Thibault's going to be one of the best defensive players mm-hmm. in the in the game before long. He might already be. Mm-hmm. Maxi is one of the up and comers in the in the Without league. A doubt. Uh, and probably, quite honestly, with all due respect to Mikael Bridges, a much more intriguing prospect I for teams in, I would in, in negotiating. That. I would agree with that. And so I, I do think I do think Philly might have uh, a better a better package to offer. I do think though you could you can ask the question: um, Was there reticence? Did James Jones think okay? W- I'll, I'll I'll be in the running for Kevin Durant, but on my terms. I'm not giving up everything I have here just to bring in a singular piece. I wonder if at that point in time uh, he could have pulled that off or if DeAndre Ayton was a deal breaker. I wonder if the, that just the Nets really honestly wanted no part of him. I'm not sure. I've, I've heard conflicting reports about it, but at the same time, um, it's – you know, there's there's a lot of homegrown goodness to Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges that that extend well beyond a basketball court, and I'm I am perfectly fine with a decision if if that was the decision to made that he made. I'm perfectly fine with it. I am. Well, just think about it. If you're a Suns fan, and and for a decade, you essentially waited to have a team that you could root for. For a team that you connected with, for a team that felt like it was part of you and part of the valley, and now they have the, these got these guys, the Mikel Bridges, the Cam Johnsons of the world. What we did two straight character counts weeks about Cam Johnson, Cam, 
Johnson. Johnson? Exactly. The, um, so to me, you know, I, I, I happen to agree wholeheartedly with that. And that that's the thing about super teams, especially one like this. OK, because it, the Suns, as they've been the last two years, they've, they've really felt like they belong to us. They really feel like they're that yeah. we're a part of the story and they have made us a part of the story. You bring in Kevin Durant and you flush everybody out. And now it's Kevin Durant, Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And nobody cares who's on the bench because you can't afford to put anybody. Then it's about three guys. It's it's no longer about culture. It's no longer about this that. It's about three guys. So suddenly it it goes from being about us to being a very a very small kind of mission, if you will. Yeah, and the the, the change in philosophy the last two years too for that team that felt like a part of the community was, oh my God, look how look how deep they are. And you need depth over an eighty two game schedule. There's no doubt about it. Um, that that maneuver would prevent a lot of depth. I, I, I'm not. I believe the dream is over. Mm-hmm. I, I believe the Suns th- have kicked the tires right. and they've probably moved right. on. And I think there's just too many hurdles now. And a lot of those hurdles are other teams getting into the mix. Yeah. Um, I could see him ending up in Philadelphia, though. I don't see. I don't see Boston as much, but I do see Philadelphia. I, I think. It's, I think it's. I think one. The fact that it's expanded to those two, I think, means it's going to happen. And that, that's quite an interesting thing. That uh, that that if it ends up that I mean, Joel Embiid has gone from having Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons to having James Harden and Kevin Durant. If they if they pull that off. Had uh, Jimmy Butler at one time, too. That's true. Yeah, Yeah, right. Uh, Coming up next, we will talk some college football with former Sun Devil quarterback and new ESPN college football analyst Brock Osweiler. That's straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Thursday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings live from the Ak Chin Community Studios. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, Sarah Cazell, Jared Carlin with you. Three weeks away from the season opener for Arizona State uh, football. That means uh, the rest of the country also getting ready for their season opener, as is our next guest, former Sun Devil quarterback, former NFL quarterback, and new ESPN college football analyst Brock Osweiler joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Brock, uh, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Congrats on the on the new gig. Thank you. Uh, yeah, super excited about it. Um, you know, obviously, I've been out of football now a couple years, and um, you know, the timing felt right to get back in, and and super excited for the opportunity. Uh, I'm curious. Uh, you know, you know, you are fresh uh, from from professional football. How do you make the transition? What process did you go through to get ready for for this opportunity with ESPN? Uh, you know, I don't know if there's any one way to get ready to, to hop into the booth and, and start calling college games. Um, to be honest, you know, and as you know, the, the college and pro game, they're, they're so different from each other. You know, coordinator, style of offense, defenses. Um, so I've just tried to immerse myself in as much information as I can. You know, I'm sitting behind my computer, you know, a couple hours each day just reading up on schools and and teams and, you know, everything that I can, all the information I can possibly get and uh, intake Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to do right now. I'm watching, 
you know, reruns on YouTube from college games last year and, and just really trying to immerse myself back into the college game. Nice. Uh, well, many of us remember your, your great stint with ASU. What do you think of the state of the program? There's a lot of people who are wondering why they are continuing forward with Herm Edwards in the light of everything that's gone down. Uh, I'm not sure if they're in the if, if they're in a good position to surprise some people or not. Your thoughts on everything that's transpired with the Sun Devils? Yeah, you know, I think the fans that are frustrated and, and somewhat confused with what's going on, I, I think that's rightfully so, you know. Um, to be honest, I'm somewhat one of, one of those people as well. Um, but on a positive note, I would say this. I, I would say, you know, we have 42 new players, and some people would be like, you know, that's terrifying. Well, I look at it from a glass-half-full perspective and say, well, 42 new players on a roster, they don't care what's happened in the past. They don't care about – you know, the violations, um, you know, that are that are possibly going to be coming down and, and the things that have happened in the past. They don't care that, you know, as we all were hoping that we had a Rose Bowl team last year, they don't care that that team didn't make that. They're here now and they're looking forward. They're looking through, you know, the front windshield. Um, and I think that's exciting. I think if they can come together um, and fall camp and really bond and, and um, build camaraderie together, I think that could be a special thing. And, and with that, and I think we've all seen that throughout the media and, and things like that throughout the off season, and then, you know, recently this month with camp opening, you know, there's very low expectations for the Sun Devil football team this year. And I think that could almost be a good thing. You know, less media distractions can be sometimes better for your locker room. Um, and like I said, especially if these guys come together during camp, you know, they don't have any outside noise to deal with right now. They're just focused on, on themselves getting better every day, their teammates, their coaches, and they're just focused on, on, you know, inside the Sun Devil building, which I think could be great because obviously last year there was a, you know, like we said, there was high expectations. Everybody was hoping for another Rose Bowl season. Where this year, let's be honest, no one's really expecting much. So, you know, maybe this is the year the, the team really comes together and, and surprises everyone. ESPN College Football Analyst Brock Osweiler, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, zooming out from ASU just to college football as a whole, and I don't want to ask you to bash the, the sport that's uh, buttering your bread right now, Brock, but we've seen so much change in the sport with NIL, with Transfer Portal, now with... You know, USC and UCLA in in the Big Ten in a couple years just seems so weird and strange. What do you make of all the change in college football over these last few years? And do you think it can turn into a a good thing? Because I think there's a lot of people that are that are weirded out by what's going on. Well, you know, I'm I'm kind of one of those people. You know, I think everyone this this has been a big pill to swallow, starting with the NIL stuff, and then you know teams. You know, leaving conferences, which will ultimately break a lot of traditions that have happened over the past couple decades or even 50, 60, 70 years with some of these, you know, rivalries and, and traditions within the game. But, you know, change is inevitable and it's, it's going to happen. And, and so now we just have to hope that we can make the most of it. Um, in regards to NIL, um, I'm personally not a fan of it. Um, I think it's, it's changing the game for the worse. And so I'm really hoping, hoping, you know, that there can be a, a governing body or something that somewhat puts parameters around what NIL can be. Um, in regards to the conference changes, you know, that's that's led by TV money. And, and obviously the schools are going to go where, where the money is. And, and you look at UCLA and USC and, 
you know, for me being a Pac-10 and Pac-12 guy, um, I hate to see them go. You know, they're great for the conference. Uh, they're great opponents for the Sun Devils. Um, but can you blame them? You know, you, you have to look at the numbers, and, and no one knows what the final numbers are going to be for the new Big Ten deal. But those Big Ten schools, they might make upwards of 50, 60, 70, even $80 million a year just on TV deals, where currently Pac-12 schools, I believe, is a little less than $10 million per school. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if you were in their shoes, what would you do? You know, so for us fans, it's tough to swallow, but you can understand why these institutions are doing what they're doing. Yeah, I think those are great points. I, I think also, and I didn't realize this, because from a fan standpoint, it's just so weird to see some of these traditions and, and regionalities of college football being ripped up, and it's like but UCLA playing Rutgers, are you kidding me that's big 10 football uh, but uh, there are coaches who say that this nal ha- has made young kids even harder to coach that there's uh there's there's been a change in their coachability based on nil D- do you see that do you sense that do you fear that that could be happening a hundred percent in fact I've, I've talked to coaches about it and you know they say you know they're some coaches are afraid to coach up their players at practice because if they get after that kid a little bit, which in the end they're doing that because they want to get that player better because they care about him. They're afraid that that kid's going to take offense to that and transfer the next day and go wherever the money is. And, you know, I think a great example is, you know, you've totally changed the dynamics of college football. It is no longer an amateur sport. When you have a receiver, let's use that for an example, in a receiver meeting room, possibly making a half a million to a million dollars in NIL money, but his position coach is making one hundred and fifty to $250,000. Do you think that 18, 19, 20-year-old kid is going to give, you know, for a lack of better words, do you think he's going to care what that position coach is saying to him? No, you know, because he's just going to say, well, coach, I make more money than you. What, what can you tell me that I don't already know? So, yeah. you know, I think that's just one example to where it is not making the sport better. And I'm really hoping that, you know, sooner rather than later, there will be some parameters around NIL to keep it, you know, hey, let the players benefit for what they're bringing to the universities. But let's also keep it amateur athletics because that's what it is. And looking at your career at ASU, Brock, I mean, if you were 12 years younger, you'd be making a mint in NIL right now. (laughs) 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 But, you know, you're you're probably right. But, you know, I'm grateful I didn't because, you know what, the way I had to go through ASU and and I worked I worked two jobs. I worked at a local health club. I bust tables at night in Old Town just to kind of make ends meet. But what that did is it gave me character. It gave me grit. Um, and, and it made me the person that I am today. And I'm not saying that a full scholarship athlete should have to go bust tables at midnight after they've worked out and they've gone to class and they've gone to meetings. You know, but there's, there's a way to get these players a little more money so they're not having to stress over making rent payments and getting to class and, and putting food in the fridge. But also at the same time, these are not professional athletes. And in my opinion, they don't need to be making six figures and especially seven figures. Yeah. Brock, it was great to talk to you. Congrats, uh, congratulations again on the new gig. No and hopefully You're we can chat great, again man. during the season. You're going to be great. Hey, did you get your first game assignment it. yet? Uh, excuse me? Did you get your first game assignment yet? Do you know who you're doing? I did. First game's North Carolina State at East Carolina on ESPN. So it'll be a fun one. I get a little rivalry game right out the gate. Nice. All right. We'll be watching. Thanks, Brock. Thanks, Brock.
Brock Osweiler, former ASU quarterback, now with ESPN College Football Analyst. He'll be in the booth. He sounds he polished, us here on man. the uh, Arizona he's, Sports Line. He's got some chops. He, oh, you could yeah. always see him making that jump. He used to start his press conferences weekly when he was the starting quarterback. He'd ask the, the media trivia questions. So, you know, he. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I kept in contact with him a little bit. I, I To this day, I still think the, the Broncos did him dirty in that Super Bowl run. No, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I do remember that. Oh, yeah. Coming up next, uh, we won't get a lot of eyeballs on uh, players that will make contributions for the Cardinals this year in their preseason opener. But we will see a lot of Zayvon Collins. How ready is the second-year linebacker? That and more next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Not a ton. I mean, we're going to play some guys who have a chance. Like Zavin will play some. Um, Gardeck will play some. Marco on defense. Offensively, yeah, not not too many guys that I think will, will crack that starting lineup. Cliff Kingsbury yesterday on projecting what we could see in terms of personnel in the preseason opener for the Cardinals on Friday night against the Cincinnati Bengals. And the name that pops out there? Zaven Collins, mm. first-round pick a year ago, guy who has struggled to get on the field defensively at the end of last season. He's going to be one of the few projected big-time contributors for the Cardinals to get uh, a little bit of run tomorrow night against Cincinnati. So, uh, yeah, I think we both arrived at it. Uh, all eyes on Zaven Collins tomorrow, and, and maybe a chance for him, as you put it, Bick, to prove... Yeah, I shouldn't be out here with, with these guys yeah. right now. Uh, yeah. You know, you can count on me uh, and my improvement going into year two. Yeah, there's uh, so there's a couple of things here. The fact that you've got a couple of guys who are deemed starters on the defense, Zayvon Collins, Marco Wilson, two of them notably, the fact that they're starting in this football game, to me, those are heavy messages. Those are, okay, prove it kind of times for these for both of these players um and and so i think that that's what i'm looking at and i i don't know if you can really judge marco wilson based off a quarterback who is not joe burrow playing in the game i do think zaven collins and what he is able to do will make a difference and and should be able to be noticed and and noticeable he should be in on tackles he should be in the backfield he should be he should make enough plays that really make you think okay good this guy is going to make it he's 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 got all the the learning curve behind him because all of this idea that he was dealing with a shoulder injury last year he was only on the injury list once week 9 never after yeah and that doesn't i mean <laughs> There's a lot of uh, wiggle room on mm-hmm. uh, that, that teams kind of take themselves. But you're right. If it if it was a shoulder injury and he was still able to play through it, those those players show up on the injury report. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is interesting. Zaven Collins sat down with Wolf and Luke yesterday. He talked about the uh, advantage of having quote unquote a normal off season going into year two. I got to experience the whole uh, summer off season, the OTAs, the mini camp last year we didn't have that. You get to go in, you could be a, be in the workout program, kind of do workouts that contribute to your individual period, to your on the field play. So that all kind of contributes to, you know, when you go out onto the field. And like, you know, also being in the building, talking about football, you know, you're not gonna go into Arizona Cardinals facility and not talk about football even though you know what I'm saying? Like, that's <laughs> 
Like even when we're sitting there at lunch, we're like, hey, this, 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 and right. that. You know, talking about different concepts and stuff. So that is, um, you know, with just the players and stuff, that's that's what, you know, is good about being able to go in. So um, it was nice to have that this year. Earlier in the show, you used the phrase impact linebacker, mm-hmm. uh, which is what obviously the Cardinals were counting on Zayvon Collins to develop into when they drafted him that high in the first round. And that you can see those guys physically imposing the way they move, the athleticism. He's showing it in the individual drills. But uh, in that same interview with Wolf and Mm -hmm. Luke, Zayvon Collins also talked about being an old school linebacker, kind of that inside guy who meets the the physical prototype, if you will. A big thing, too, is, you know, I'm 6'5", 260, which is the old school linebacker. So, um, obviously, you know, with today's, you know, league, everyone is a little bit smaller but a lot faster. So uh, that is the, you know, will I be able to do this and this? And that's one of the things I've been working on, you know, my feet, my hand work, my eyes when it comes to pass coverage one-on-one with the backs, which is very important in, you know, those third and short, third and long, whatever it is, you know, man-on-man defenses or zone match coverages. Yeah, the comfort level there, and as you mentioned, Vic, too, the comfort level should be higher for all the guys on the Cardinals defense. They're not going up against Joe Burrow. I no, would doubt Jamar no, no. Chase is going yeah, to play a lot. Right. Uh, we will see a steady diet of Brandon Allen, Jake Browning, and Drew Plitt. Which, Drew Plitt? Which sounds, Drew like Plitt? A, sounds like a name Jarrett made up. Yeah, Mungo Drew Plitt's roommate in college. Yeah, Drew, Drew Plitt and Trace McSorley. They sound like two made-up names. <laughs> Drew Plitt? Where's he from? Why does Trace McSorley sound like a made-up name to you? It, well, it's no, like Hank Gudgley. I, I disagree entirely. I do agree with you, Drew Plitt. That doesn't, yeah. Come on, Jared. Drew Plitt, 6'2", 206, 24-year-old out of Ball State. You didn't know that? Mmm. <laughs> they called it, when he played there, they called it Plittsburgh. Uh, you know what else is cool? <laughs> mm. <laughs> On the Cincinnati roster, Kwame Lasseter II. Really? Playing uh, against, uh, in his fir- in his first uh, preseason game, playing wow. against his uh, late dad's former team. I don't know if you saw this, but Sierra Canyon's basketball team. Oh, did you God. see this? You did see this, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. It's, got it's Le- a super team it at is. the high school it, level. It, at the high school level. So it's got LeBron James's kids. It's got Scottie Pippen's kid and Anthony Hardaway's kid. And Anthony Hardaway's kid just transferred there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and apparently this team is like going on a European barn bu- or what do they call those barn things? Barnstorming barn tour. Barn, <laughs> barn burning I tour. Was going <laughs> barn busters. I'm like, what the hell am I trying to say here? What is barn busting? How is it that all the kids of these athletes, <laughs> all the kids of these athletes got older and yet I remain the same age? Yeah, that is weird. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You going all McConaughey on us there? <laughs> it just—it's it, just crazy. Like baseball too. It's just like these kids of these athletes that I watched when I was a kid. I'm not as old as you guys. It must be really crazy. That yeah, it makes me. I mean, when the the Diamondbacks drafted Drew Jones, and of course the son of Andrew Jones. Like I remember Andrew Jones watching him as, as you a were teenager a- playing. Major League Baseball. Yeah, you were already an adult when he was playing. Yeah. And now his kid is playing. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I hate this game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Opt out. Thank you. Know you. Know Opt out. Full about, stop. Goodbye. They say about getting old, getting old is the worst.
better than the alternative. Oh, true. That is true. Good perspective. Do you know a high school student with great character? We want to hear about them and how they make an impact in their community. Just text CHARACTER to 620-620. Share their story. What's in it for them? A $10,000 scholarship from Parker & Sons and Arizona Sports. Just text CHARACTER to 620-620. Coming up next, we'll get an update on the D-backs. We'll talk to their president and CEO for his weekly visit. Derek Hall, straight ahead. Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. I have the high privilege and distinct honor of presenting to you the president. He's the president and CEO of your Arizona Diamondbacks. Hail to the chief. Derek Hall. The president. Every Thursday we talk baseball and D-backs with the president and CEO of the club, Derek Hall. He joins us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Derek, good morning. How are you? I am I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Good. Uh, we've had a lot of discussions uh, during our visits this season about the young up-and-coming players, and we focused yeah. on the draft. We focused on you know Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll. But, man, it's been really good to see one of those young up-and-coming pitchers and Tommy Henry come up, and especially in his last start, look like he really belongs at this level. He did a great job. And even on the road, you know, that's a tough environment at Cleveland and a tough lineup, you know, up and coming like we talked about as well. And he had, you know, just one mistake, a slider that, that he made a mistake on, and it was a three-run homer. Other than that, he looked really calm and cool and kept the game slow. But uh, he was in total control against the Pirates, and it was a lot of fun afterwards. I, I went up uh, in the stands where his parents were, and I sat with his dad for a little while. And to hear his dad's perspective, who, you know, big baseball fan, obviously, and he's followed his kid's career, and he followed his kid around throughout our our whole system and he you know is telling me hey we have got pitchers that pitch with Tommy that are ready to come up here and it's going to be so exciting and your fans are going to love seeing these guys and they haven't even seen Corbin Carroll yet he's probably better than everyone you have here I mean hearing that excitement from someone that was so close to it because we see it we feel it it's fun and you know I've been sitting in my back down in my seat again I, I took a couple years and was up in a box and just moving around superstitiously and different things I could throw remotes and I'm back in the seats now and I've had more more fans come Come to me, and and this is no exaggeration. The last couple of nights, and just say we love this team. You know, don't go trading these guys. Parenthetical, you idiot. Um, you know, and, and we really like where we're going, and it's exciting. So it's so fun to hear. And if you look at where we are. You know, we had 52 wins all of last year, and we got our 50th win on, on Tuesday night. So it's uh, it's certainly a big improvement over last year, but we have e- even a higher expectation. Yeah, you're, you know. you're another good week away from being in, in the playoff periphery, believe it or not. I, I know, but, you know, it's it's a it's a process, pick, and I, it, you just see it, right? You can see it happening. I mean, we're not – last year was – I mean, not only did we lose games, they, they, were, they were awful, right? You, you mm-hmm. just kept ripping pages off the calendar. And you were out of games in the first, second inning. I mean, games that we're losing, and you don't want to lose, but games that we're losing, we're in it till the end. You know, I mean, even last night, which would be considered a blowout because most of our games are one-run losses, you know, we we had a chance. I mean, it was two of the most bizarre things happened during this homestand that I've ever seen in 30 years. First, a phone popping out of a, a rookie's pocket. <laughs> I was going to ask you about third. that. I was going to ask you secondly, about that. And then secondly, you know, the, the double play situation last night where we had bases loaded, nobody out, and now quickly you have two outs and it's a two-run game that was a shame but we had a chance again all right so let me ask you about that uh rodolfo castro incident what would you do if you had a player slide head first into third base and an iphone came out of his back pocket 
<laughs> oh man, uh, you know, I, I well, first first question would be to obviously the manager and general manager of uh, <laughs> how how does he not know what the rules are in the game and and you know what explanation did he give you? Um, obviously, baseball's looking into it and and they should. I, I'm sure it was a perfectly innocent move, and you know I, I heard the play by play call on their radio afterwards. It was hilarious. They made light of it. Uh, poor kid. I mean, he was so embarrassed and his third base coach is like, don't give me that phone. Um, But it's one of those moments that's going to go down in social media. It just erupted, right? We didn't have that years ago, but um, it it was, poor kid, it it was embarrassing for for him, but uh, turn the page and and he'll learn from it, but in in our case, we would make sure it's a learning lesson, obviously, but uh, the rules are the rules. Yeah, we focused on the frivolous part of it, but you bring up an uh, an interesting point. For anybody in, in, in the past few years that has been implicated with wearing an Apple watch or some kind of communication device there's there's severe penalties for that kind of stuff isn't there yeah, yeah, there is. I mean, because you could accuse anybody that has a, a device, whether it's a phone or a watch or anything, as, you know, getting signs or getting, you know, there, there could be a buzz to let you know, here comes a fastball. Do I think that was happening? No. I think, you know, this kid was, was back up to the majors, excited, who knows, you know, had his phone in the dugout, not knowing what the rule was, and, and, and we'll see. I, I think they'll probably be light on him, but they are investigating, I'm sure. Uh, but nonetheless, it was crazy to see him slide into third and have the umpire point down at the, at the phone him pick it up, go to put it in his pocket, take it out real quick, try and give it to the third base coach. Third base coach, hey, I don't want any part of that. But um, it was, it was, it, it provided a, a moment of laughter for all baseball mm-hmm. fans who were watching it and those that were following on Twitter and other social media. Well, it, it was also a laugh track that, that that a younger generation can't go anywhere without their phones, Derek. Bingo. <laughs> yeah, so know? true, right? Yeah. And does that change in the future? Probably not. You know, there's no electronics. I know that we do have the iPads and you're allowed to watch at bats and watch pitchers but but that uh yeah that i don't think we're going to see a day where you're able to keep your your phone in your back pocket of your uniform pants you guys uh you guys have been bunting the baseball a lot lately mm-hmm. what what is that all about I, I like it, Bick, and it's really been uh, up to the players, the style of the players. But when you've got guys that have the ability to do that and teams are still going to give you the distance to do so or the positioning to do so, um, you know, when the, when it's, it's, um, it's just another element of the, of the game that hasn't really been around as much and, and as prominent as it used to be. So it's, it's refreshing to me to see it, and it also keeps the defense on their toes. They're not sure what you're going to do, and you're not as, you know, as predictable. So I think it's a great aspect to our game, especially when you have the speed and the ability to do so with a Thomas, with a Barsha, with a McCarthy, um, just so many weapons that, that can either, you know, slash the ball, uh, drag bunt, uh, push a bunt down the, the, you know, the third baseline. It's nice to see. It gets our guys in motion. We're also running a lot more, stealing a little more hit and run, and, and we need some more activity and we're creating some more offense. We don't want to wait for, you know, the two or three run homer right. like we've had occasion to do over the last couple of years. Yeah. This is a really energetic, fun, exciting team that can get on, pace, on base and makes contact. Derek Hall, president and CEO of the D-backs, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. We, we've talked about the speed in the past. I think this is the best collection of speed the Diamondbacks have ever had at the major league level. But you just mentioned three players, Alec Thomas, Jake McCarthy, Dalton Varsho. If they all line up and are running a 40-yard dash, who, who's your money on to win that race, Derek? 
I think probably Alec Thomas. Um, you know, he's that, that kid, boy, and you see him cover ground in center field. Wow. And the fact that we really have three or four center fielders. I mean, when we have Corbin Carroll up here, you've got four guys that can play center field. And the beauty of what we're doing right now with Corbin Carroll is we're giving him a little more time at AAA. We're playing him on the corners because we, we want to be able to move these guys all around. Um, but that, that's a great thing. It was like, you know, having Eaton and Pollock at the same time. Who can play center? They both can. Who can play right or left? They both can. And now we got four of those guys, but they all have speed. And, and going back to your question, I mean, Vince, I, I think just watching Alec Thomas run the base yeah. beating out ground balls at first base, but seeing him track down almost every ball. And most most of those balls, I'd say, the majority of the center fielders would never get to. He gets to them. And even plays last night that Varsho, you know, he, he couldn't make a couple of those plays, but he got close to it where most right fielders wouldn't have even come close. All right, Derek, you mentioned him. Corbin Carroll, uh, I just looked at his uh, his game log over the past week. He's getting three hits a night. He's got ten, yeah. 10 hits in his last four games. He's obviously too good for AAA. Uh, they're they're begging for him in the PCL to get out of the league. So come on, when, 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 I, I know. when can and we ben, see him? What a quick adjustment! This kid is special, right? And let's remind everybody: he was just named uh, the number one prospect yep. in all of baseball, not just for the D-backs, all of baseball. And you know, he he just sped right through Double A. We sent him up to Triple A. He struggled for the first couple of weeks, and he thought, okay, you know, it's, it's he's got to make an adjustment. I'd say he did. And yeah. you're right; he's getting multi-hit game night after night after night. He's so much fun to watch. Um, but again. I, we still think get you know a little more time at AAA. It's a different level of pitching, and also get a good feel for corner outfield, not just center field. And then hopefully we see him up here as well because this kid is he's special, and we just have to make sure again, like we said last week, we can't put too much pressure on this guy. That's for sure. All right, um, I, I'm glad that that fans are approaching you and giving you affirmation as to what they're seeing. The attendance thing, the 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 meter's still not moving on that yet. I, I and I think that's pretty understandable given the fact that we're in August now and it's summer and kids going back to school. Um, do you think that's going to change going into next season? Do you think maybe you'll start to see that turnstile activity happen next? <laughs> I, I do, Bick. Yeah, I really do. And and I think you'll see some really strong um, results at the turnstiles here with our final. It, it's hard to believe we only have 20 home games left after today. Wow. Um, but, you know, we have really good sales coming up. I mean, we have a, a weekend series a week from Friday that starts against the Cardinals. We have, you know, post-game concerts in two out of the three. You're going to see really strong sales. They're really strong. Then we have the Dodgers. We have the Padres. You know, we have the Giants. So you'll see some good inter-division inter rival crowds as well. So I I expect crowds to go up. People are, are enjoying this team. They see what we've, we, we've been building. It's good. I mean, we win today, and you've won four out of your last six series, and that includes, you know, real stinkers on the road against Atlanta and Cleveland, right? Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. the team has has really turned the corner, and they are showing that development. And we do have one of, if not the toughest schedules in the second half. So, we're, you know, we're going to hit some bumps on the road here in the last, you know, month, month and a half. Derek, as always, great to talk to you. We'll do it again next Thursday. Looking forward to it, guys. Thank Thanks. you, as always. Derek Hall, president and CEO of the Arizona Diamondbacks. He joins us on Thursdays to talk about the state of the franchise. And he does it on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, we hit the 9 o'clock hour. Sarah Cazell will take us through some social studies next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.